Welcome again to another episode of the Chatterbox Video Game Radio Show. My name is Alon. And my name is Ara. And uh, our website is chatterboxgameshow.com. We also have a Facebook now, which people are visiting uh, infrequently, but you know, not it's not it's not totally barren. You know what the amazing thing about our Facebook page is? That it's there? You can interface with us directly. Yeah, but now since you're an admin of the site, you respond as Chatterbox. And I respond as Chatterbox, and they don't know who's who. No, I can actually respond as myself. Yeah, but you didn't. Well, not yet. I haven't either, though. I mean, I can't complain. It's just, it gets confusing. We've got to keep something up for suspense. Yeah, there's some amount of mystery there. But uh, we put some photos up of your amazing simulation rig last week, and there was some response. That's good. I didn't post the video. I could. I still have it. Um, but we just put up pictures. Yeah, why don't you post the video? Yeah, remind me. Remind me tonight, and I'll... I'll right. post it up there from the phone. Um, and it's not my living room, guys. It was yeah. my living room. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now it's just the, I don't know, the simulation den? Do yes. we call it the hollow deck? You may call it that if you wish. Okay. Well, I'll um, call you a nerd if you do that. Though. <laughs> that's, that's totally fine. I'm used to that. Uh, okay, so we, we call on our, our fans and our listenership to go to the Facebook page and to email us and to call our phone number. What's that phone number? Our phone number, which you can only leave messages on, um, clearly enunciated messages, is 4804GAME21. And that's really, if you, if you want to give us an idea or just speak your mind, tell us what you want us to talk about, if whatever. If you hate typing and you love talking, this yeah. is the way to communicate. Now, I've come to accept that the quality of the audio will be too miserable to actually use on the show. We've done it once, I think, but it's just, it's not good. But here's, here's what's going to happen soon. Yeah. Google apparently likes to compress to oblivion just so you can barely understand. So you can get that police radio level of quality. Well, it's a, it's a free service. I can't, I can't complain too much, but we can't complain about free things. What's the world (laughs) coming to? But let me tell you what's going to happen next week. Uh, we usually record on Mondays. Today is Monday. And then we put it up by midnight and then you have it on Tuesday, the show, I mean. Now, I am leaving town for a few days, and then I'm going to come back, and then I'm going to leave immediately again. And uh, that means I'm not going to be here on Monday or over the weekend or on Tuesday or Wednesday afterwards. So it's it's hard to get next week's show put together without recording, you know, well in advance when we don't have enough material or something. And uh, I'm going to be in New York. I'm going to be in New York starting on Saturday. New York City? New York City! Uh, the 16th, the Saturday, all the way through the 20th, which happens to be my birthday, by the way. Nothing more sad than traveling all day on planes on your birthday. Anyway, um, I am going to suggest to our fanship that I'm, I'm willing to bet some or many of you are in New York City. And if you would like to record the show with me, I think that would be a fantastic way to do the show. I haven't quite figured out the logistics because I don't want to lug this hunk of junk computer around, the one we use for the audio recording, but I could probably do it on my Mac. Um, I would like people in New York City, if you are a fan of the show and you would like to be a part of the show, to let me know, and maybe we record with one, two, three, four fans um, while we're in New York. And I say we, I mean me, because you're still going to be here in Phoenix. But um, My spirit will be in New York. Yeah, this this would be a great way to do it. If you already have like a podcast recording rig ready to go, even better. But I'll I'll have my computer with me and hopefully I can I can handle it even with only a couple of USB ports. So email or Facebook us uh basically immediately so I can plan for this. <clears throat> like I said, I'm going to be in New York City like right in the heart of Manhattan. I could travel a little bit, but not a whole lot and uh hopefully you're not like a serial rapist or something. I trust if you listen to the show, you're probably at least a little bit well-adjusted. At least. Are you really worried about getting raped? Well, New York's full of crazy people. Okay. I mean, not full. I mean, it's got, some, it's got some crazy people is what I'm saying. Uh, so, so if you're in New York and you like the show and you want to do it, let me know. Email's on our website. Facebook is available to all the human beings on the planet. And uh, just contact us. Remember, this Saturday... I would I would lo- preferably record on Sunday the 17th. If not, then perhaps Monday, but really Sunday is the only prime time I know would be would be good. Um maybe even Saturday night, but that would suck cuz I get in on Saturday, I don't even know when. 
So anyway, contact me. Sunday would be awesome. Let's do it. All right. Now, on to the show. We've got a few things to discuss, and, and you wanted me to go first, right? Yeah, I'd like you to go first. Okay. So uh, one thing I saw last week that we didn't, we didn't bring up last week is that the producer of Resident Evil... When was the last time you played Resident Evil, by the way? This is a terrible question to answer me because the last time I played Resident Evil was when I decided I didn't like Resident Evil. That was probably a really long time ago, if yeah. you're anything like me. Yeah. Um, I remember, however, being very excited about Resident Evil when it first came out on the PlayStation. Like, I got the Japanese version, and I had, like, the cool um, it's very live-action video with, like, the zombie dogs and stuff. So popular, in fact, it's, it's launched a myriad of sequels. Yeah, it has. So I was excited. I played the first one. I played the second one. I even got, like, Codename Veronica for the Dreamcast. And... I think that's when I realized, no, this game is not not really fun. And when I say this game, I mean this entire series of game because it was just hard to control and just not that exciting. As as much as they say they did that on purpose, yeah, the hard to control part. But then at like Resident Evil 4 or something, they started changing things. It got, got a little bit different, got easier. They, they had added Wii controls when it came out on the Wii. Um, and so they started changing a bit, but then they started releasing all these side games Right, like the the Resident Evil shooting game, and they had five and six. I swear, like it feels like five just came out last year, and maybe it did. I don't know. Well, we're in twenty thirteen now, but it feels very recent. And it turns out like six is already out. I yeah. think I can't even keep track of these anymore. So apparently, the producer actually says, "Yeah, I think we released too many." Now, is this in, is this the original days. producer? Do we have his name? I don't. I mean, it says in here. I mean, this is the Japanese guy or the U.S. guy because I'm racist. Japanese. Okay. Masachika Kawata. In terms of Resident Evil launches, Kawata said, "I think certainly, looking at the last year or two, there probably were a few too many." So, so do you think this is just the case of do make your money first and apologize later? Yeah. Well. I wonder if he's the one making the decision to produce, right? Right. Well, he's I mean, just, it's a corporation, a, so it's probably not all up to one person. Yeah, he's got a gig, and they say, hey, you're going to work on another game. And there's a reference to Resident Evil Revelations. I don't even know what that is. I don't... Do you have any idea? Um, is that... I think that might be the 3DS one, if I can pull something out of my butt. Yep, who knows? Maybe it is. But they have a lot, a lot of different ones, and to the point that nobody cares... And the article goes on to say Capcom dropped four or released four Resident Evil games throughout 2011, 2012. There was the Mercenaries 3D, Revelations, Operation Raccoon City, and uh, Resident Evil 6. So lately, two per year is what you're saying. Yeah, and now I guess next in line is Resident Evil Revelations, the 3DS game, uh, coming to Xbox 360, PS3, PC, and Wii U in May. Now, this is really funny because when I was ooh, like in high school, and Street Fighter was the big thing. Me and my friend had a really long and deep conversation about how Capcom was basically doing planned obsolescence with their Street Fighter games. Just releasing a new one every so often so that people don't use the old ones at all? Yeah. And, I mean, that was pretty starkly apparent then, right? I mean, I remember we... the What was it? Like on Super Nintendo, Super Street Fighter 2 came out. And it was really expensive. And so I, I split the cost... Between me and my friend, and he'd have it for a few months, and then I'd have it for a few months. Nice. I think I think he ended up with it. I think I paid seventy five bucks for for all three of them, like each one seventy five bucks. Yeah, so I paid two hundred twenty. And what was weird? Imagine, to me, imagine that. Imagine paying that much money every year for the same game. Yeah. What was weird was that they released Super Street Fighter Two, even though Super Street Fighter Two Turbo was already out, and that really pissed me off because Super Street Fighter Two Turbo was available like only on the three DO. Do you remember this? Yes, yes, I do. Well, they have to they have to leave like something for that, so you want to go get the 3DO. No, nobody was getting the, the 3DO. But they re- they released like Turbo was already there and it it bothered me a lot that yeah. they they didn't release it. So, anyway, uh I'm with you. They certainly did that, but Street Fighter and its like small evolutionary versions. Right. Like that is clearly Street Fighter 2 is not as good as like Champion Edition or Hyper Fighting or whatever. They, uh, in almost all cases, as long as it, you're keeping the main title like Street Fighter 2, the newest one is the best one. And Street Fighter 3, the newest version is the best one because it's just sort of these incremental changes. Right. Um, and that's, that's guaranteed these are better not, than the rest. Right. I mean, the Bioshocks are all obviously, sorry, Resident Evil are 
all Is that still teams. in your head? You actually still call it Bioshock? Wait, it's not Bioshock. Biohazard. Bio, yeah. Yeah, Jesus Bioshock Christ. is a different game. That's a totally different game. So Biohazard is the foreign name for See, this is why Evil. I wanted you to start today. Yeah. Okay. So I, I guess this is a really long-winded discussion of, of me simply saying, like, do we think how do we feel about the dilution of your of your product with all of these well the, these funny, the funny thing is is I, I feel like corporations are constantly trying to make as much money as possible while hoping that they and i'm saying hoping for a specific reason that they don't dilute their product too much because these constant releases definitely are diluting the yeah. product they just want to make sure that they don't do it so much that it hurts their bottom line, right? Yeah. But it's like what happened with all of the, the music games that came out a few years ago, the Guitar Heroes and the whichever yeah. rock band and all that stuff. Um, <clears throat> and I kind but, of feel like they don't they don't feel it's too late, right? Because it's like, oh, this is making money, gangbusters. Let's just keep doing this until there's signs that it's going to stop. And then, uh, and then we'll say, oh, maybe, that was maybe too many. All right, so we're actually just about to go to break but i have this this question for you in line with with what we've been talking about with resident evil and i want to wait to hear your answer give you a couple minutes to reflect all right all right so do you think that if all of the versions we'll use resident evil as the example if all of them were actually really good games do you think it would have had the same negative dilutionary effect to the audience where like the result is people don't really want to play it anymore because they played too much of it. Like, even if all of them were really quality games, would I still be sick of it? That's a tough one. We'll be right back. Chatterboxers, how much do you love Amazon.com? Since you're like me, the answer is a lot. And since you love Chatterbox almost as much, here's what I want you to do. Next time you get a new game, a pair of socks, downloadable MP3, anything really, go to helpchatterbox.com. It takes you to Amazon, but when you buy something, we get a piece of the action. That's good for us, and Amazon feels good because you didn't buy it from GameStop. Helpchatterbox.com. Remember it. Bookmark it. Tattoo it backwards on your forehead. And yes, all I'm asking you to do is buy stuff you are already going to buy. Just do it at helpchatterbox.com. Welcome back, guys and girls. You're listening to Chatterbox Video Game Radio. Sponsored by the University of Advanced Technology and their website, UAT.edu. Okay, so you gave me a really important question, and now I'm going to answer it. Yes, before break. With the I time warp you, of several minutes yeah. in between. Do you think that they, there was any way for them to release games with this frequency, with, with some utopian level of quality? Yeah, even though that's practically impossible, let's just assume that it happened. Um, I'd say it still dilutes what it is for if if not for the only reason that um, I just think about when you know my history of playing games and when I was you know there'd be like one game series or two game series that I'd be really really into right and then when they announce the new one coming up right obviously I'd be really excited about it because I I knew what I was expecting right I was expecting anyway. The thing is, is that uh, there's a few times where a, a sequel's been announced in a game series I really like, where I'm still actually playing the old game, and I'm not done with it, right? And when I hear about the new one, I'm just completely unprepared for it. I'm just like, well, I mean, I'm not going to buy that new one until I finish this old one first. So that's not happening, you know, no matter what, right? Like if I hadn't gone through the old game. But I kind of feel also that here's here's a really interesting thing that I've been like a I don't want to say victim, but I've I've been I've found myself within like a whole bunch of times is that when you play a game that's really good, 
and and I kind of feel like most people who've played a lot of games have gone through this. When you play a game that's really good and it's part of the series, or they make a sequel to it after the fact, a lot of what you're feeling is like, wow, that was really great. I would really love to do this game all over again, but better and slightly different. You're saying you do feel that way? Yeah. Okay. Okay. And and I'm not saying that people you would think in such precise level of detail as that. But it's, I mean, it's just basically all what I'm describing is the whole, like, that was awesome, I want more effect, which is one of the greatest compliments that you can give a game, right? If you like it so much that you wish that you wanted more from it. You know, it's funny, is some early games did that, right? Like Zelda. Yeah. Gave you a whole second quest. and uh... Right, but what I'm saying is, even after all of that, right, you were, you're left excited and hopeful that the next one that comes out is going to be, you know, keeping all the things that you wished were the same the same and giving you enough new things to keep you interested, right? I mean, that's that's the mark of a good product in general, right? And... The funny thing is, is that in, in several cases, when I finally got the sequel, and sometimes this is like the second sequel or the third sequel even, it starts becoming long in the tooth, however good it is, right? And I start realizing, you know what? Even though I wanted to have more of what that experience was like, after having gone through it a second time, I changed my mind. I actually... Like, I actually felt like the second time it was laborious to go through because maybe because it was too much of the same, right? Or maybe because when I was left with that feeling, you know, that that's just the addictive part of your brain saying more, 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 whereas you really actually more, more, more isn't good for you because you'll just get sick of it. You know, it's like it's like you've eaten a donut and you want your second donut because the first donut was so good. But after you eat the second donut, you're like, oh, that wasn't such a good idea. That's <laughs> That's not how I feel. I like two or three or four. So, but, I, but you know what I'm saying. I mean, you've been through that, haven't you? Yeah, I think so. And I start thinking about, like, my my mind is going on to the next question. Like, why, why is it that these games, the the repeated, not repeated, I guess, just the the various iterations, the the differences in them, because they like four in two years. Right. Why is it that? They weren't good. And by the way, I haven't played a single one of those. I assume they are all not good because I don't recall seeing a positive review for a Resident Evil game in years. Yeah. Well, there, I mean, there could be myriad reasons for that. I mean, like, yeah. obviously, if you have the same team and you're making more releases than you were before, then you have less time to do the same thing and you have less yeah. resources. Well, well, let me say what I was thinking, right? So you you start off with a game that's so good that people want more of it. All right? That's That's how this works. People loved Resident Evil, which I guess for the time was good, and so it continued on this series of games. People continued liking it. And then you get to the point of, do you put another team on something else in the series? Right? So a totally new set of people get to work on something with the same branding. Now that's a really interesting question, right? actually. So then are they going to turn out the same product? I mean, they don't have the same feelings. They don't have the same understanding of the development process and the storyline and the attachment to the characters and the methods and all that. So they're not going to produce the same product. It depends, I think, a lot on how emotionally invested and owned the game is by the people working on it. Well, and, and, and that won't happen with a secondary team. That will definitely not happen with the secondary team. But sometimes, uh, especially in the more corporate games, it doesn't even exist the first time around. Well, yeah. I'm, so, I mean, I'm I want to make that distinction. Right? I'm working on the assumption that when the really good game happens the first time, yeah. that that team liked it and probably feels good about it and would like to make a sequel. Now, we're getting down the line where I don't know how many, how many damn Resident Evil games have existed at this point. Probably in the teens. And so nobody in their right mind would still feel good about making the same game that many times, um, except maybe the guy who makes Mega Man. Um, but it's here's my thing. You either give it to other teams who aren't going to make the same quality product or you spread it out over a certain amount of time. You give it to the same team and they get to sort of evolve it as they want because, again, they're they're attached to it enough that they know what the players want. Oh, this is, like. this is so interesting, <laughs> dude. So, okay, so here's the trade-off, right? So, assuming that the original, right, and this is um, 
This could be any game, not just Resident Evil. Assuming that the original was made by a close-knit team who was really emotionally invested into that product and really, like, you know, that product is a, is the result of their heart and soul being poured into the game, right? Yeah, a secondary team will never give you that same quality because the secondary team does not is not as attached to it emotionally. On the other hand, and I've I've directly experienced this, if you have a team that has been resigned to making the same game over and over for several years, that's incredibly fatiguing as a creative person. Um, I mean, I know, well, just to give you an example, right? I, when I worked for THQ, we had our MX series of games. And there were lots of people on our team that were getting kind of tired of doing the same game over and over. I mean, it's just natural, right? I mean... If yeah. you're an artist and your person is hiring you saying, yeah, you know what? You're going to be painting um, still life. No, you're going to be painting flowers, more specific, for the next four years. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can be optimistic, but after a year or two, you're going to start getting real sick of it, right? And then, so then something else interesting happens, which is even the original team isn't able to uh, iterate on their work as as meaningfully or as emotionally meaningfully. And then there's there's a whole other thing that confounds this whole thing that I want to mention real briefly, which is just the reality of the fact that working in working in video games in in the corporate arena is this very um what's the word? um kind of like uh paradoxical balance that you have to achieve between being completely passionate about your product and yet also completely detached at the same time. Why would you need to be detached? Because in most cases, you have actually um, no direct control over how things end up going. And so you have to be completely open because there's so many hands in it. And especially in there's a lot of corporate structures where there's actually um, not a rigid decision making structure. And, and I tend to actually – I don't think that those are ideal in a lot of cases. But a lot of companies operate that way. And some of them operate fairly successfully. But in order to do that, basically the people who are the most invested in the creative parts of it also have to be completely detached from how things end up because no one person is steering the ship. It's like – So do you, do you mean just to save them the grief from you know potential sadness of not having it gone, going their way? Um, it's, it's part of that, right? But it's deeper than that because it's not just about things going your way. It's about any, any kind of creative product that multiple people go in. Everybody has slightly, slightly different vision of it. You know, you can, at times there could be any number of people who have a very strong vision of what the product could be, right? But the product cannot be what the, the result of the strong vision in those five people's heads, because each one of those has actually mutually exclusive visions, right? And so the and this is this is one of the reasons why one of my um, you know a long time ago one of my um, studio managers basically admitted that like yeah you know what like any time a video game gets finished actually like it's kind of a miracle because because this is one of the reasons there's so there's other reasons too but it's. Um, yeah, and this is another reason why I think that uh, you know a lot of people say that you know video games aren't art because if you see what happens in a lot of these video games, especially the super triple A ones, like they're not one. Per- it's not it's not the result of somebody's vision, and then everybody like gets aboard on that vision. It's a lot more organic than that, and it's it's definitely like it's. I'm starting to ramble now, so back to earth. Okay, well, <clears throat> I don't know how I can bring you back, but I can tell you that there was another. Another side that I was thinking of, so there's the ability of the teams to make a quality product in the first place and how, as perhaps a management entity, you might create that, where you get the decision to keep the first team on it or separate it on into other teams. Um, but beyond that, there's also... What's interesting about Resident Evil is it's a game that plays on people's psychology right. in order to, to make them feel connected to the game and feel the emotion that the game wants to convey. On the other hand... They're not understanding consumer psychology because they're releasing too many games at once. And that's something I wanted to talk about. So we'll be right back. 
to me, Mario. You're listening to Chatterbox Video Game Radio. It's a number one. All right, we're back. And so right, right before break, and, and we're not going to you know, belabor this, this Resident Evil thing for much longer, but um, I was talking about consumer psychology. And so a lot of games become successful, and then they run them, they, they just wear themselves down, right, by releasing too many. And I, I say a lot. I don't actually know that it happens to too many. Uh, it actually surprises me that Mega Man still exists in the way that it does. But if you look at it, like, They've only released, I think, Mega Man 10. That came out, right? That's not still pending? Um, don't know off the top of my head. Well, 9 definitely released, and that was like the first... Right, and that re- was even a few years ago. Yeah, that was the retro version on the new systems, and people were excited about it. I'm pretty sure 10 came out. I can't keep track. But but the thing is, like, they just do this because they know that there's a market for it, right? They are more confident that there's a market for it than an original game, so they do the sequel. Yeah, but it's also over 25 years. Yeah, Right, so you release ten of them over twenty five years, and of course they had the X series in the middle and some other ones, but right. um, people still wanted this. Like they you're, wanted. You're nine. saying that it hasn't burnt out because they haven't been mercilessly released. Yeah, like okay, you have you seen all the Back to the Future movies? Uh, There's only three of them. Okay, yeah. Okay, so <laughs> they released one in 1985, and then it said they had the audacity to put to be continued at the yeah. end of the movie. And then it never released. The second one never came out. And then, like, some ridiculous amount of time later. That was incredible, actually. That time interval, because... And I don't know if it was just because the first one was awesome and the second one was also awesome. But that was... I don't... I can't really tell you if the time interval made them more awesome. But I kind of feel like it did. It absolutely did. Absolutely. So we waited for years to the point that we forgot about it. Like, when's this coming out? I don't even know. I don't maybe, have the I don't have the internet, maybe so I can't that's find the out. Key, because that flipping Wild West one, you not didn't like so that one? awesome. Really? Nah, people still like that one. I liked it not as much as the second one, but yeah, I, I just think it's on a whole other but, level. And I mean, they made those slow. two together, and they planned to release them close together. But yeah, I'm, so they waited. They made us wait for a long time. They released the second one. It was amazing. We were re excited about it like yeah. that. Okay, we, okay, okay. How about this for psychology? Okay. It's only good the, – the best way to make a sequel is to make the first one and then maybe you hint at a sequel and then you wait until everyone's forgotten and then you remind them. And now everyone's surprised and excited. I think if people are expecting the next sequel to come out next year already, I think that there's, that's a negative. Yeah, absolutely. I, I definitely think that. And so, I mean, it's – I'm sure you could chart – it's emotional excitement, you know, on a graph over time and all that and how it, it goes up on announcement and over a certain amount of time and it goes down. Like what's, what's the maximum potential purchasing power for a game and based on time release. Um, but it, it all, you always have to come through with quality. That's like, that is a requirement. You're, You're right though. The expectation seems really important. I remember when Sonic first came out, right. And Sonic two came out and that was like, Whoa, Sonic two. Right, and then Sonic Three, and then you're just like, whatever, Sonic Three. Yeah, they need to spread that stuff out because that's that's consumer psychology, right? Like we we want what we can't have, and so if you give it to us, we don't want it as much. When you give us two of them, three of them in short time, yeah. we get sick of it. But if you make us wait, like even a year is too little. But I think I think it's the expectation of if there's another one coming. Like I think it's really crucial to make people forget. I actually. think. I think ideally, let's say you were going to make a game that was periodic, like all of the Call of Duty games and whatever. It's actually two years, not not annually, but every two years. So basically, you don't know what's going to happen. A year later, you find out the next one is going to come out. And a year after that announcement, you actually get the game. If you, were, if you had a series that everyone actually liked and it was given enough funding and talent and whatever to make a quality product, every two years is probably... And, and it's, things are always going to be case by case. Yeah. You, you know what the business people are going to say, though? You could be making more if you release them faster, but they're not exactly. thinking long game. Of course they're not. They're not thinking long game. Of course not. They never do. <clears throat> so anyway. But what if you lose out? I think you maybe lose out on the business and the long game anyway. If, if, 
if not for the only remorse you get that uh, you know maybe people feel better about your product at the end. Now, well, listen, ultimately, if you have enough talent to make a quality game every year, you should be releasing a quality game every year. But what if you have two series with, you know, each one has their own independent team that can release quality games every two years. You have one game released this year and the other game released the next year. Well, that's what they did and with Call of Duty, didn't one they? one or the other. Uh, well, they had two different teams working right. on the same series. Right. Which, and both games were, you know, each team would create a very similar game. So I'm talking about totally different. Like, let's say one is Halo and one is FIFA or something, right? Oh, like, <laughs> oh I see know, what you're saying. Okay. Not the same series, just two different IPs. Right. And they release them. Even, let's say you had one team that was capable of producing a great game every year, which is n- no chance with the way games are actually made these days and how they may- take many, many years to make. But then I would still say, hey, team, work on game A. Great. It's good. Now work on something totally different. Unless they really, like when it starts out, they really want to make a sequel, fine. Right. But then have them switch off. You hear them all say, like, we want to go work on something different. Even Bungie's like, all right, we're done with Halo. Somebody else work on Halo and we'll go work on something different. Right. Exactly. Different. That was the thing right? I was talking about. So they work on something different. Then they're like, hey, you know what? Over this, this year of making this other game, I've thought about some ideas for the first one. I want to go back to that. And then they can flip flop. Again, it, it's not realistic to think one game can make, one team could make a good game every year. Um, but. At least not, you know, the AAA that we talk about and whatever. You know what? You know what's another uh, spanner in the works of this whole th- issue? The fact that, especially in the last several years, um, big budget games have become so big budget that when a new technology is devised for, let's say, a new game like, um, like the newer generation Castlevania games, for example, not the newest one, but the generation right before that. They actually planned ahead of time that they would make multiple games, actually multiple games with that technology, if only to amortize the cost of development over several games because it was it's so expensive to develop at that level now. And so yeah. you had like you had like that Castlevania game, then you had like you're talking about like the Symphony of the Night stuff or the 3D stuff. No, the the, the first, no, not the first, the second set of 3D stuff that came out on um, the PS2. Yeah, the last yeah. Japanese developed. 3D stuff. Let's yeah, that doesn't mean much to me, but but okay. Yeah. So, um, so they had like you know they had they had a Castlevania game, then they had this other game that was not a Castlevania game using that same technology, some some game about a lot of blood, and that was not a lot of people knew about that. I guess I don't know if they decided to market it or what, but um, that's that kind of screws up the whole plan of trying to do something like this because you don't. You'll know, you'll know, like the corporation will decide offhand this, we are going to make three games with this set of technology. You know, yeah. this is going to be, this is going to be a trilogy to start out with. Yeah. And that doesn't bother me either. It's simply the timing. Okay. You know, and that's cool. The, the problem is, well, okay, you need to make your money back fast enough. Well, then you're doing it wrong. Like there's something inherently wrong with the structure of your release schedule and your development schedule. Like you just have to say, this is how to make it last. This is how to... Also, you get a better quality product there because the developers don't get so worn out and they get to, um, you know, come up with new ideas. Like when you just release it every year, release some newer version every year, they don't get to actually experiment. That They don't get to come up with new ideas because they're too busy working on the next version, just making it more graphically impressive or implementing the one or two ideas that didn't make it into last year's version. Yeah, well, that's the story of a lot of sports games, yeah. right? And so companies would do do better if they thought long-term and said, okay, we're going to release not as frequently, but release varied IPs every once in a while. And, uh, you know, maybe if you have one that's really good, wait four years, wait, and then eventually release. And not enough people do that. And it's just, it's funny to me, this specifically Resident Evil that plays on psychology. And I'm sure that they think about psychology when building that game, but they don't think about psychology when marketing that game. Well, well that's, not, that's not true. There's different kinds of psychology. <clears throat> but when... On, in the grand scheme, and uh, I think it would it would serve themselves better. But at this point, it's totally worn out for me. I'm not interested in Resident Evil, not not in the least, because uh, I just got so sick of it many 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 years ago. Yeah, you think people are going to get sick of Angry Birds? <laughs> you think that will happen? No, and here's why: because Angry Birds is uh, it is attractive to people who don't play games a lot and who love repetition. Like the very the fact that you like that game in the first place means you love repetition, because every part of it is repetition. I'm not I'm not buying that. Story. And kids, I mean, it's 
I don't want to say it's mostly kids because I don't really know the demographics, but every kid I know loves that game. Yeah. And not necessarily every adult, but every kid does. And kids, they could do the same thing over and over and over. And they're the ones who games are released for every year, right? And yeah, people like but, us don't want to play the same yeah, game Yeah, but every games year. are inherently repetitive, but I don't, I don't want to get into an argument about that. Okay. Well, we've used up a huge amount of the show for this topic. I guess it's turned into a few different ones. So I want to okay. use up a huge amount of the show for a different topic. All right. And that topic is Journey. Not the band. And the Dice Awards. So Journey, as they say, swept the awards. They won eight awards. Didn't this game come out forever ago? Yes, it did come Why out forever Why is it still ago. getting awards? Because award shows are rigged. Okay. And I, I want to explain to you and everybody else why I'm upset. Now, I want to be really clear because I talked about Journey before and I've bitched about Journey before. It is a high-quality piece of work. I feel like it's a stretch to call it a game because of obvious reasons. Well, for people who've played it, it's obvious. But the thing that's the most upsetting to me is that by giving this game, this product, so many awards at such a high-profile award show we are basically communicating to the rest of the world as an industry that journey is the model for us that this is what we want to tell the rest of the world is the best thing about video games that this is what we're aspiring to as a video game industry that this is the direction we want to and should be headed in that this is the best example of what we can accomplish as an industry and I think that that's a, I think that's horrible. I think that Journey makes a lot of really really interesting and novel accomplishments, but especially the fact that this is that the this is a mechanically utterly simple and uninteresting game and the fact that mechanics I think are the greatest potential of games. It's I just feel like we're looking backwards. I really do. Yeah, I can understand what you're saying. And it makes me feel, honestly, completely out of touch as a game developer. We'll talk about this more uh, right after the break. We'll be right back. Are you going to find a master of science program in technology that creates thinkers who understand how business works and how to apply the technology? Where else are you going to discover a graduate degree in technology that is customized to meet your objectives? Where else in the Valley, on campus or online, can you study at the only private university that gives you the opportunity to focus in specialized areas like network security, artificial life programming, and game studies, as well as technology management? Where else? Where else but the University of Advancing Technology? UAT's graduate technology program is accelerated. It combines business with technology. It offers the flexibility to adapt quickly to changes that come in high-tech fields. Feed your brain. Lead. Manage. You won't find this innovative environment anywhere else. UAT, the select private university where you'll be fully immersed in technology. The experience is unrivaled. Click UAT.edu. That's UAT.edu. All right, we're back, and I've just begun ranting about Journey. But give me a moment. All right. Once again, I need to remind everyone about UAT.edu, the website for the University of Advanced Technology. And I also want to take a second to, to paint a little bit of a picture of what Journey is for people who haven't played it. Not everybody has a PS3. Not everybody's played this game. All right. Let's, let's make it brief. Very quickly, uh, when we say it's not a game, it's because it, although it's pretty and the sound is sort of engrossing, there's not, there's not much to actually do. It's like there's a, a sort of a desert in front of you and there's some structures in the desert that are just there. And you kind of have to figure out that 
you can do something and maybe if you go over here and maybe press a switch then a door might open but like it's really limiting it's basically moving and and jumping and, and floating and a little floating bit floating and pressing switches which is let me give you a basis for comparison it's i think mechanically less interesting and complex than some of the earliest video games yeah there's there's just not much what you say about mechanics there's just not much going on like it doesn't right. challenge you in any way and here, here's the fascinating thing and i think what owes what owes to its success is the fact that it is because it's so simple and it's so undemanding it is universally playable almost anybody can play it because it asks so little from the player but it's kind of like a microcosm for me of what we're doing wrong as an industry because instead of us trying to tackle how can we make interesting mechanics accessible it seems like the way that we're going is um let's just ditch the hard problem let like forget it let's just throw the hard problem away and let's just remove barriers by making things simpler and simpler yeah and so, i don't i don't think that that's the right way to go you know how we talk about games being you know a, a good game doesn't need great graphics right. doesn't need all of the the extra touches right, right? this the, is like a good game doesn't need mechanics yeah this is exactly the opposite it's a game it with graphics and sound and polish without the the underlying game it's just the extra stuff which is why you and i are so turned off by it right and and i want to say that it has value by itself i mean it deserves to be lauded for what it is, but it shouldn't be confused, I think, for what it isn't either. It's it's basically like an, an artistic interactive experience. Yeah. And and for that, there's a lot of value, you know? And um, if that's going to be the video game mass market, then so be it. But I feel like we're shirking from tackling the hard problems in video games, which is player psychology and user interfaces and cognitive psychology and things like that, we're shirking away from all of those. And everybody seems to love the fact that we're shirking away from all those. And that's that's immeasurably frustrating to me as a game designer. What are some of the awards that it actually won? Um, so that's a really good question. And I have to go off the top of my head because I don't have the thing here. But... Um, if I recall, I what I re- it was basically everything. It was like best downloadable game, maybe, and you know I could be wrong about some of these. I'm going off the top of my head. Uh, there was it, it picked up a best. I, I don't know if it was the game of the year or just the casual game of the year or something like that. But there so was it just one got of those over, overall best game stuff, like best art direction. I mean, it won a lot of awards. Wow! Yeah. But so my first reaction is, man, there's got to have been better games than that that came out this year. But then, maybe, I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't. I'm not really. Uh, I'm left. I'm. I'm very easily left wanting, trying to think of what games are really, really great that came out this year. And well, Fez got a lot of attention. I don't know that I would say it was really amazing, but it uh, certainly got a lot of attention. So it surprises me that it wasn't. Yeah, and that game sold really, really well too. And that's another example of a game where, in in a lot of ways, actually. Um, you know, it's there's a very low barrier to entry, and it's not very demanding of players. Now, when if you get down to the nitty gritty and the deep parts of it, yes, it it can be very demanding. But the basic, the basic way of playing, right? It doesn't it doesn't um, it doesn't demand dexterity, right? And what I think's the most really the singularly most interesting problem to solve in video games is how do you teach a player and motivate a player to appreciate learning. I'm going to make up words here, dexterous types of activities if they aren't already dexterous. Does that make sense? Yeah. How do you get them to appreciate the fact that they have to work a little bit? Right. But I feel like video games have a special power if we can harness this power to make things that would otherwise be work feel like play. And there is a really, really exquisite kind of pleasure that you can take in a game when you're performing something in real time. And I feel like this exquisite pleasure isn't really accessible to most people because, I mean, it's, it's very demanding. It means you have to perform, right? But the problem is, is that I think that if our games are good enough, 
we can make games that will give a player who has really bad hand-eye coordination the means to experience that kind of performance and that kind of pleasure in a way that they couldn't before. This is one of the, I think, I, I really believe this is one of the things that is the greatest potential of games. And we're just, we're just at every turn, we're just like, no, we're not going to do that. Here's, here's some stories. No, they're not going to do that. Here's some awesome graphics. Here's some really great animation. You know, we're just going to work on the things that take perception to apprehend rather than work on things that take interaction to apprehend. And that's really frustrating to me. Yeah. That's what we're saying. And I wish that we wouldn't be saying this. Because I don't see that journey. I don't see that being the future. Like, I feel like that's a dead I end. I can understand the awards for art direction or sound or if there's some award for like, you know, emotional immersion or something. I don't know what the awards are. So some, of, so some of those, it did win some of those, you know. Those and, are the ones that I would expect. But like best game and be like, no, it's clearly not the best game. It's not, yeah. it's not interesting at all in, in the way that what I would call a game right. is. Right. It's just... When it comes to the actual gameplay part, it is so barren. Right. You know what's funny is that I, I kind of feel like, um, I mean, this is pretty endemic to the industry because a lot of, especially the mobile games, are basically doing this. We're going backwards in mechanics in order to go forwards in other dimensions, and we don't have to, right? We're going, let me put it this way, right? To people who aren't convinced, and it's not really my intention to convince you, but what I think is a really strong argument is that what do video games do that's different than other media? What's unique about them? They let you interact. They let you interact, right? And it's not just interaction like, you know, press a button and the light will light up, right? Or press the button and the guy will jump, right? But they let you perform. And this is such a unique opportunity for a medium to express performance that no other medium can do, why are we using this medium to do the things that all other media does? Why are we doing that? Yeah, that's a good point. It's like, uh, why do we play RPGs? It's kind of the same question, right? Yeah. I mean, and the answer, I mean... That was a joke. It makes sense. <laughs> Sorry. See, I'm too serious for this right now. <laughs> you can't give me jokes right away. I, it's completely logical that this is happening in this way, right? Because there's always more people that are going to watch the sport rather than play the sport, right? To give you an analogy. Always, right? Because the sport yeah. is demanding and it's more fun to watch if you can't do it, right? But, okay, I'm just, I'm just going to end up saying the same thing over and over, so. All right, so we're going to call it quits Let's there? Let's call it quits on you this, know, yeah. You know, I, as a tangent, what I thought was interesting, something I read today is how um, – Genova Chen, the the lead of the people who made that game. I mean, right. it's, that game company is actually the name of the game company um, that that made Flow, Flower, and right and what, what, Journey, which Journey. was their their three game contract that they yeah. had with Sony from the start. <clears throat> but apparently, he's he's saying that they essentially ran out of money making Journey. They did. You know what? I, I got to interject something real quick. You know what's really interesting is that they've had they had like two years longer than they were supposed to have to make this game. And I mean, it's awesome for anybody to have a project where basically this game was funded into success. You think so? Oh, yeah. They were funded for two years longer than they were supposed to have. Well, just because it took two extra years doesn't mean they were funded for two extra years. He said that like they the last six months, basically, they weren't getting paid. They didn't have money. He said that Journey brought them to bankruptcy. Yeah. And yeah. that it's it's great that it's let you me know. let me rephrase it. It was that like resources were allocated. A lot of games, if it's not looking that good, they kill it. But this game, if it wasn't looking that good, they just poured more resources into it until it got good. And that is a very very. The, and the irony is that it still didn't get good. <laughs> well. In the ways that it was good, it did though, right? Yeah. And it, this is a it's a very incredible and rare luxury to have that as a developer. Yeah. Anyway, and I like I can only assume it's because someone up top making the decisions for some reason loved it, or or maybe didn't want to look bad coming up with a three game deal or something. Like it must have struck a chord 
Which is it's funny because these games maybe, and I, I think that's why this, this one reason why it won all these awards. I, I kind of feel like it was like okay, Sony is like okay, all you Sony people, we're gonna root for Journey this year. You think I'm, so? I'm just making shit up, but that's how it felt like. Yeah, it's it's funny because the like I said, these sort of, the games that that game company made, these three were almost intended to like connect with you on an emotional level, even if they didn't connect with you on on like a gameplay appreciation level right and so it like i don't know how long you could pull that off for i don't know what they're going to work on next they yeah. they say that they're going to work on stuff multi-platform now instead of just sony um and it, you know it's interesting that i guess you, you were saying before the show started that like you take what you can get as a developer if you can get a contract to work on just one system you do that yeah and now now they're moving on to other stuff and we'll make more money and it's it's good, right? Because their name is out there, and they'll do bigger stuff. But it's still only downloadable, and that really restricts your audience. It doesn't get the press or the the notoriety that other games have. People aren't going to buy you at the store because they can't buy you at a store. Well, maybe soon, no one will. Yeah. Well, I mean, once things go all downloadable, it'd be a different story. But um, I'm I'm curious to see what they do next, and if they continue on the same path of games that aren't actually games, because all three of their games were really. Very similar. Not, yeah, not not games. They were just visi- visibly interesting. Probably the first was the most game-like, actually, out of all of them. Yeah, and that was the one that was also least visually appealing. But Anyway, guys, New York. End of the show. If you're in New York, I want to know about it, and I want to make the show with you. So get a hold of me, and uh, we'll figure it out. We'll figure out how to make it happen. Um, email alanachatterboxgameshow.com. And I'm serious about this. A lot of people are like, oh, uh, somebody else probably emailed them and they'll figure it out. They don't. So it so, could be you. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. So don't don't give up. Yeah. I, I, I don't want to have to call in a bunch of favors when I get there to the one person I might know in New York and say, hey, hey, get on a mic with me. So email me. And if too many people want to do it, we'll figure it out. Maybe we'll have a big meeting at some place and 20 people will be involved in the show. I don't even care. But... Uh, Anyway, I'll talk to you all soon. Thank you for listening. Good night, guys. You've been listening to Chatterbox Video Game Radio. Tune in next week for more tips and info and the latest and greatest in video gaming. And remember, all your base are belong to us.